Today on Lockdown Red Wings, the Philadelphia Flyers beat Detroit 2-1 to one thanks to Carter Hart and just what felt like a million block shots. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scotty is the freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Lockdown uh, Tigers. Almost said Red Wings. You are a host of Lockdown Red Wings as well. Not the first time I've done that. Uh, And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So, Scotty, Red Wings lost 2-1 to one on Saturday against the Philadelphia Flyers. Can I just say, really, this is like, we don't have to talk about this for a while because it's not Red Wings. Um, but literally right when you pressed record, Bruce got fired officially. From oh, Vancouver. really? That literally Man. just happened. Man, the way they treated him over horrible. in Vancouver is horrible. With the horrible. With the general manager and owner coming out and basically like firing him, but like, oh, not not yet. How do you treat a man like and uh, you know what and like it, it, the front office treated him terribly like that's pretty objective and and I think everyone feels bad for him. I will say that it was and this is not me about to justify what the front office did, um, but I, I will say that it it was nice to see like the fans all like in unison realize yeah. the situation not, and kind of give him like a send off last night and well two nights ago as you're listening to this and um yeah like just a a a really cool moment that uh at least the the fans were supportive and appreciative because yeah they they treated that whole situation in like the worst possible way yeah and i'm glad that the fans realized like you said that it was all the ownership because they let the old gm hire boudreau then they fired the gm brought a new gm in and the new gm wanted a clean house and it's just he it the fact that there were reports that players marched into the locker room and want, all gave individual goodbyes with like tears in their eyes. None of this is on the coaching staff. This is right. just on poor, really bad ownership. Correct. Really, yeah. really bad ownership and bad management. So it's yeah. just, I just, that video that like 32nd video of, of him getting the send off from the fans and like them chanting his name. And he's like emotional on the bench. Like yeah. that'll get you, man. That's sports. Yeah, absolutely. And they're bringing in a, head coach that has a below 500 record in the NHL as a head coach. <laughs> so, right. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes for the Vancouver Canucks. It's a dumpster fire. I don't understand. I don't think there's any player on that team who wants to still be with the Vancouver Canucks after the way they handled this. I like yeah. Horvat. We already know is gone. JT Miller is probably going to be gone. Yeah. I mean, I know Elias Patterson got the bag, but like, I, I don't, I don't see how any single player can view how this was handled and go, this is a right. team I want to be with the rest. I don't of know how team. anyone can look at like the first, <laughs> the first whatever three four months of the season and be like yeah this was this was a professional organization right here this is something i want to be a part of going forward yeah so <sighs> anyways red wings though red wings yeah they lost two to one against the philadelphia philadelphia flyers what's yeah. strange is is this felt like a game that i thought they deserved to win i thought that they played pretty pretty good in this hockey game uh much like they did in the game against vegas but 
I mean, Carter Hart was unreal in this game. So many like on the doorstep saves he made to keep that game a shutout for as long as it was. And then two collapses on the Red Wings side of things led to two goals against, but yeah, no, I mean, the, Carter Hart was, was definitely on one and uh, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from that performance because he was great. Um, but, but, you know, this is a, a, an underlying problem that it's not really underlying on this show. We've talked about it a lot, but uh, I kind of, went off about it after the Coyotes game and that dreadful episode. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this team is is at a point, I will say it again for the millionth time this season, they don't have a true goal scorer, like anywhere on the roster right now. And again, somebody might develop into that, and that's great, and, and that solves that problem down the road. But in this season... They don't have a an a someone that you would actually label as a goal scorer. Like they 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 don't. Like Kubalik is maybe the closest person to like fit that bill, and he's more of a shot taker than a pure goal scorer. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they, they they don't have that, and uh, that makes finishing against really good goalies really difficult. And Carter Hart had a great night tonight, and he's had a great night for a lot of nights he's had a great season um this year and and is really coming into his own and kind of taking that that leap that so many people thought he was going to a few years back when he was like a 20 year old rookie or whatever but um yeah man like th this is th this is classic like wings in my opinion like they 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 played well they you're right they won all the the well not all of but the, they won some of the possession metrics they uh, got opportunities and they got shots up and it just didn't matter because a the block shots which we'll talk about in a second but b even when the shots work blocked man they just don't have a finisher like no one on this entire roster is a finisher and somebody that you can really rely on to to put the puck in the back of the net on a, on a even semi-consistent basis to be honest with you so yeah, I mean, this is just par for the course, honestly. Yeah, so obviously, like you were saying, Scotty, Carter Hart was insane in this game. He faced yeah. 31 shots and allowed one goal and then stopped the game-tying goal in the dying seconds against Lucas Raymond, and he was really, really good. But as you teased there, it was also their offensive scheme. And def by defensive scheme, I mean they would just lay their bodies out in front of the puck. Yeah, The Philadelphia Flyers registered 31 block shots in this game. So if you combine the 31 shots the Red Wings had, and the 31 blocked shots the Philadelphia Flyers had, that's 62 shot attempts by the Detroit Red Wings, and that's not counting shots they took that missed the net. So yeah. that's not even all of their Corsi in the game. They had a total of 62 shot, shot attempts between the pucks that hit the net and the pucks that got blocked. The Philadelphia Flyers were just clogging up the shooting lanes, and which is a lot of the reason why um, the Red Wings dominated the Corsi 4 percentage based on just shot attempts in the game but actually lost the expected goals for percentage battle in this game. But I, really what it came down to is this was a really tight, even game. And Larkin said it felt like a playoff atmosphere for them, which I don't know what that says about this team that it felt like a playoff atmosphere against a team that is right next to you in the standings near the bottom. Um, Cause the flyers aren't very good either, but the, it came down to who made a, the first mistake in this game. And unfortunately the Red Wings made the first mistake twice in that the Philadelphia Flyers, they made the first two mistakes. Yeah, I was trying to be the first mistake twice. That tracks. Yep. I was trying to be clever with the way I was saying it, but 
ended up not making too much sense. Uh, they made two crucial mistakes in the third period after a really tight back and forth game where I thought the Red Wings had a lot of the pressure. And that was the Philadelphia Flyers get the puck at the blue line and two Red Wings players went over to the guy with the puck at the blue line and the other defenseman went all the way across. For some reason, he was like by the opposite circle with no one around him. And they yeah. just let they just let the late guy cruise on through the crease. We saw this, a couple, what was it, a couple games ago. Who was it against? The Maple Leafs? Tavares' goal was just like this, where for some reason the defenseman was really far out of position. That should have oh, covered yeah. that guy breaking down, stri- striding down the middle of the defensive zone. Yeah, and that Lawton, didn't happen against them. But honestly, like pick your game. That yeah. happens probably a few times a night. <laughs> I mean, why does a guy get a breakaway that starts at your own blue line? Right, How does that happen? That's embarrassing, yeah. And I mean, and to his credit, the move he made on Huso to recover and that backhand at that sharp angle was nasty. It was a great finish, but he should have never been just sitting there wide open to begin with. It was, it was really weird. And then the second goal, just a couple minutes later, Kubelik gets the puck behind the net and goes for a blind behind the back pass and just immediately turns it over to who does he turn it over to? Give me one second. I'm trying to draw a blank here. He turns it over to Travis Konecki, who's their team leading team leader in scoring. And he just throws it out front to an uncovered Noah Cates in front who just buries it. So two crucial mistakes after a game of just back and forth hockey where the goalies were phenomenal. It buried them. And the Red Wings again, tried to mount a comeback with like five minutes left. Lucas Raymond, I thought had a really good game, but block shots, Carter Hart. First mistake. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> anyway, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue to talk about this one. Cause I do want to talk about Lucas Raymond, who I just teased. Uh, I thought I had a really, really good game. Uh, Woolman Insider again put out really good numbers. Copper. Cop played well. I thought Sharat had a pretty good game, all things considered. And then, of course, Billy Huso was great again. Yeah. Uh, but first, I got to talk to you guys about Athletic Greens. Our next par- partner has a product you got to use literally every day. You got to start taking AG1 because with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. Got to get in touch with AG1 in your life because it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, and it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up your, the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, before we talk about Raymond, I know I teased that going into segment two, and we will talk about him. I also want to point out how chippy this game was going into, especially like the first period. These two teams are going at one another and slashes, cross checks, Adam Ernie, basically killed the guy and by killed the guy, I mean, he lightly shoved him and he flopped like hell, (laughs) but 
it was, I haven't seen the Red Wings have this big of an edge in a while, but granted that's also the Flyers brand of hockey. They keep wanting to make that their brand of hockey and it never seems to pan out and do a championship, but Hey, you guys can be the Jack. Can I say jackass jackasses of the league? If you want, <laughs> we'll find out. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, man. It, it, it's something that if you look over the course of the season for the wings as well, something that they are not able to really hold their own in games that are played like that. Like they, they get out physical so often and we've seen a couple of games that single handedly, I mean, you know what I mean? Have been, I don't want to say lost because of, but there's been a lot of games that have single handedly, like you, you've been, uh, kind of dominated physically and then got dominated in every other area because you were getting dominated physically. And this wasn't as bad as like the Brian Reeves game or anything, but um, I, it, it it just seems like every time there's a team that wants to be like the super physical brand and, and really try and rough up the wings, they kind of like fight back initially. And then as the game goes on, if it gets more and more physical, they kind of back off and don't, cause they don't really have an answer. Well, and this is one of those games where I am happy to have guys like Adam Ernie and Ben Sherratt on the roster because while they don't bring much offense, and in Ben Sherratt's case, sometimes not much defense, um, they do bring a, a physical edge to them. Not saying that Ben Sherratt's worth $4 million because he can hit, but it is nice to have that kind of guy on the team. And I don't think the Red Wings have nearly enough of that style of player. I mean, granted, <clears throat> you're in a league that scores goals, and if you can't score goals, it doesn't matter how physical you are. But this team regularly gets bullied. And in games like this, Ben Sherrod and Adam Ernie, and you know what? Michael Rasmussen too has really started to bring a physical edge to his game as well. I mean, they were the three guys that were causing the most havoc out there. David Perron was, but he's a loud mouth. He causes havoc just by being a loud mouth more than being physical. But <laughs> I was really happy to have Adam Ernie and Ben Sherrod out there in this game because they kept the trying to bully hits, Adam Ernie, baby. He does. He had two hits in this game. Ben Sherrod had three, but Michael Rasmussen had four. This it's a he Michael Rasmussen. He's kind of like that perfect mix, I think. Of so, like Adam Ernie's really physical and plays like a physical brand of hockey and hits guys, but that's really all he brings on a nightly basis, unfortunately. Although I did think overall he had a good game in this one. But Michael Rasmussen, you know, brings decent speed now. His skating is much improved. His hands are much improved and he's physical with his size. Like he's finally using his entire package to its fullest ability. It feels like this season and it showed, I think Michael Rasmussen had a great game physically creating offensive chances. He nearly scored a couple times. I, Michael Rasmussen just continues to impress. Yeah, hundred percent. And this is someone that has obviously been the source of conversation for the last year and a half two years on this show uh dating back to, to to nolan getting on his soapbox about rass as well um and it's it's definitely nice to see him come into his own look i mean he's gonna be uh he is definitely playing his way into being like a solidified effective uh middle six or or bottom six center on a really good team and yeah. that's awesome a and B, uh, you know, having that intangible size is something that, again, it's an intangible. Like, you can't really mm -hmm. teach that. And uh, the fact that he is getting more and more comfortable utilizing his body, I think, is really what has made this kind of, I don't know if I want to say jump, but th this, like, uptick in production and 
uh, this this kind of changed view on him as a player, I think, is a large majority because of the uh, the, the ability and just the him being more comfortable, you know, throwing his body around or at least using it more more smartly. Yep. And I mean, he there are four players in this team that were tied uh, in Corsi four percentage in this game at even strength. It was Rasmussen, Cop, Peron, and Sider all at sixty six point six seven percent shares when they were on the ice and. Michael Rasmussen also had a positive expected goals for percentage and a positive relative. So, you know, he was more effective when he was on the ice than off the ice. I mean, that doesn't make much sense. Of course, he's more effective on the ice than on the bench, but relative to his teammates, he was more effective when he was out there. He helped when he was out there. And I think that's been proven every step of the way. Lucas Raymond, I thought as well, had a really, really good game. I tweeted early in the game that, oh, we got Razor tonight. We didn't get Raymond. We got Razor. Because he just felt like he had that, like, it factor in this game. He was creating opportunities for himself. He, at one point, he dangled through, like, three guys and got a backhand shot uh, backhand shot off on Carter Hart. And then, obviously, he scored a goal late to keep his uh, team in shots, line. yeah. Uh, let me double-check on that. I think but, he had six. Uh, actually, I can check that over at... Cop had five shots. Yeah, Raymond had six, so he led the team in shots. He was all over the place. He in was this everywhere. Game. And he was rewarded with a goal late. Almost got the game-tying goal with waning seconds left, but Carter Hart stopped him. But that's 16 points in 16 games for him now, and he's tied for the team leading goals. I mean, Lucas Raymond has come alive in these last few weeks. Yeah, which is, you know, <laughs> something that's very much needed. This team desperately at this point needs somebody that they can – kind of lean on a little bit more than everybody else for production on a night in and night out basis. And um, yeah, for the last month it's been him. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see if he can continue to heat up or just stay hot rather. And where his point total is going to be at the end of the season. Cause it's quickly becoming one of those seasons where, Oh boy, we might just be able to root for individual players. <laughs> if this right. keeps up. Cause again, I mean, as much as we talk about how the Red Wings deserve to win this game, they didn't. And so that continues this trend of like, okay, you won a game and now you're going to lose two or three. They play the Sharks on Tuesday and the Sharks are a very much a beatable team, one of the worst in the league, but so are the Flyers. The Flyers are a very much a beatable team. And so are the Blue Jackets and so are the Coyotes. So like there's no individual team as much as at the start of the season, we looked at teams and we were like, okay, this year the standard is you have to beat the bad teams and you compete with the good teams. That hasn't been the case, at least since December. Certainly not. I mean, at, Not with even the good, close, actually. With the good teams, you just hope you score a goal and you don't lose by three or four. With the bad teams, you hope that, okay, maybe they can win. And that's that that expectation has shifted since the start of the season. And maybe, maybe, and I thought about this the other day, Scotty, as I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent. I thought about this the other day, but maybe our standards were too high for what our expectations of what the team was, if that makes sense. Like we expected them to be like an 85-point-ish team but maybe we also at the same time were hoping they would be way better production wise and like win all these games. When in reality, like the way they're playing is on par for what we expected the end result to be, but we expected them to play better than that. Does that make sense? Are you following what I'm saying? Like we thought the individual yeah. play and the game game by game basis would be better, but if it was better, the t our expectations would have been higher. I don't know if I'm saying that clearly. No, I, I think it's just, um, you know, like when, when you say, when you say, you know, like an 85 point team, there are so many different types of 85 point teams. True. Like that's not like a universal, oh, everybody who's in the mid 80s point totals is the same. And so 
I think everybody just kind of drew their own subjective conclusions about like what an 85 to 87 point team looks like. And, uh, and I also think that the little pump fake at, at the beginning of the season uh, where they were, you know, in the playoff picture on American Thanksgiving. And uh, I mean, the first month of the year, you know, got off and we're winning a lot of games. I yeah. think that that also probably maybe people altered their expectations mid season as well. And and so that certainly didn't help. Like if we had a whole season of just beating teams we're better than and losing the teams that are better than us, I don't think there'd be so much, I don't want to say controversy, but I think everyone would be a lot more on the same page about what this team is and where they're heading. Uh, but because a, on a night to night basis, you have no idea what Red Wings team you're going to get. And B, it's been a tale of two halves at the halfway point, a tale of two quarters of the season so far. Um, it's it's really caused a lot of conversation. Yeah, it's definitely – it's one of those things where every single time they won a game, we kept telling ourselves, okay, don't get sucked in, don't get sucked in. This is what happened last year. And we kept seeing the numbers and we – you know, the – Five-on-five five play was really bad, and they were carried by special teams early in the season, and we were hoping the special teams would continue to be very good, but teams adjusted to you, and you haven't readjusted back, so your special teams has been bad lately. It's like one of those things where the team was winning games, and we were like getting really excited that they were winning games, but we knew that it wasn't going to last forever with the way they were playing, but at the same time, we were simultaneously kind of like letting our hopes get up a little, because yeah. there's that little part in the back of your brain that's like, please, 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 <laughs> and then just... Eventually, I mean, the other shoe dropped, and this is what this team really is. So um, segment three, we'll talk about – I want to talk about Jake Wallman, um, and maybe we'll save the full conversation for Jake Wallman for another day because, I mean, he's in the last year of his contract. He's going to be a UFA. What do you do with him? And then we'll also give props to Billy Huso for his great game, and we'll talk about Jacob Vrana and Dylan Larkin, the all-star. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. There's, they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Segment three, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Yeah, a little smirk on your face. What's up? Shout out FanDuel, man. All righty then. Um, so, Wolman and Cider had another really good game together. Wolman continues to honestly just shine. And it's one of those things where how much of it is Wolman and how much of it is he's paired with Cider. But he was playing really well with whoever he was paired it with beforehand. And I think he's continued under extra pressure, more minutes. He just continues to shine now in a top defensive pair role. 
And he had another four shots in this game to lead the defense, third on the team with four shots. It gets to a point, Scotty, where you have to wonder, and he made a great defensive play, also laid out a big hit. You know, the final year of his contract with the Red Wings, after they signed him to a one-year deal as an RFA, what do you do with him? Because you're going to be a seller at the deadline, and with how he's playing, you could actually flip him, because remember, he was a return last year in the Nick Letty deal. You could flip him for more picks, but I think in the process, you'd end up extending the rebuild longer because obviously then those picks have to be drafted and then develop. And it's like, what's the timeline here? Because realistically, or not realistically, emotionally, I guess is the better thing to say. Scotty, I want to keep Wallman. I want them to extend Wallman because he's 27 years old. He's on the right side of 30. And if you're thinking in the next few years, this team's going to compete. If this is the real Jake Wallman that we're seeing, like this is a guy that's finally gotten his chance to show what he's got because of the defense, you know, because on the blues, they were very depth. They had a lot of depth on the defensive side of things. He never got a real opportunity. If this is the real Jake Wallman, he could be a real, real good tool for this team. I mean, Prashant Iyer posted a graph where his Corsi for versus Corsi against, or was it expected? I think it was expected goals for expected goals against. He was in like the top right quadrant, which was all around, which is the same quadrant. Oh, Adam Fox is in. Now, granted, they were pretty far apart in that quadrant, but that's the right quadrant to be in as a defenseman. And it's now, I think, where he's got enough games and enough minutes under his belt, especially in that top pair, where you can stop saying, okay, it was small sample size. He's been like the same consistently level consistency level of good since he's come back from his shoulder surgery. And I emotionally want to trade him or not trade him, sign him. But I know that like there is an avenue where, you know, his value is so high right now as a UFA that deadline is around the corner. Yeah. I mean, it, it all comes down to, this is like a, a captain obvious thing, but like it all comes down to which avenue gets you the most value. You know, like if you, if you really believe in Wallman and you believe in Wallman for the next whatever two to four years, then um, that's that's obviously what the front office will end up doing. But uh, if I mean, I'm I'm sure they're going to shop all of the UFAs, and yeah. if that return is, uh, I mean, an overpay, I guess. Like if that return is is something like an offer you can't refuse, and you're looking around going, okay, well how what's the difference between like this team going forward with just one defenseman different you know what i mean then i i agree with you i would like to extend him too i'm not articulating it very well but uh, i i do think that there is certainly an avenue and there there is certainly a price that would make you just kind of go okay well this is kind of a, a an offer we can't refuse in this return, whether it's prospects or a prospect or picks or a pick or whatever is, uh, is, is more valuable than one defenseman on this team for the next, whatever, three or four See, years. I would just be afraid of a Nick Jensen trade. You know, you had Jensen who had a breakout year at the Detroit Red yeah, Wings. But like you can say that about any trade like ever. I know, I know, I know, but, you know, I look at what happened to Nick Jensen, and obviously it's a different situation where the Red Wings are trying to climb out of a rebuild, so you have to look at, is the timeline shorter or longer when dealing trying to deal him out? Well, with the Red Wings, like, okay, Nick Jensen's having a breakout year, and you're at the start of a rebuild. Get rid of him. You got Madison Bowie back and a second-round pick that became uh, Theodore Niederbach, and it's just, 
you know, Jensen's turned into this um, fixture on the back end of the Washington Capitals. He's become one of their most consistent defenders, not like an all-star, but he's there every single night and you know what he's going to bring and he's going to be effective. And I see this in Jake Woolman. I see this as a real possibility with him. And I think if the team, I, I think emotionally, we all want this team to be on a shorter timetable, but we don't know what I, going through Eiserman's head. He never lets us know how far this rebuild is because in his eyes, the rebuild's not over until they're winning games. So if you, if he thinks it could be longer then he's going to trade Woolman and I wouldn't blame him for that. But if he thinks that the rebuild could be wrapping up here in the next few years to a point where they're playoff contenders. You, I think honestly, Jake Wallman might be a, a halfway decent litmus test for trying to get into Eiserman's mind at where this team's at. Because I mean, emotionally, again, I want him to be re-signed and extended, but yeah. there's an argument to be made. Yeah. I, I think honestly, this is one of those things where we aren't going to know if it was the right or wrong decision until like we see the return. Or like if he doesn't get traded, then yeah. like there you go, you have your answer. But um, I, I I think that'll be a case where you know if we're just trading him just to trade him because we want to trade every UFA and he you know we, he garners a, a like mid pick and that's it. You're like okay, well I think I rather would have held on to him, tried to extend him for that price. Whereas you know like I said, if somebody overpays, then you're gonna be able to go okay, well that's like makes sense. I'm not sure we could really decline that one. So I think that that's the answer to this probably isn't available to us until the day after the trade deadline. Yeah, completely agree. Um, let's give quick props. Shout out to Jacob Rana. You know, he has scored his second goal with the Grand Rapids yeah. Griffins on Saturday night. And I think that's two goals in three games for him now. I could be wrong on that one. Um, but he's definitely his production's finally beginning to pick up. I, I, I don't want to say pick up, but... It's beginning. His his production has started finally after yeah, a long a long couple of weeks without any. Right, and especially seeing the goal scoring, especially is just really nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's three points now, and I think ten games for him. So hopefully he gets back to his his scoring ways and back up with the big club soon. I did see uh, after his goal, like a big celebration from him. It felt like he it felt like his confidence was coming back after that goal. Just watching the way he celebrated, and I like to see that. So hopefully he's back at the big club. And then also we never mentioned it, but Dylan Larkin's the all-star for the Detroit Red Wings. We didn't really mention it because every team gets one and it didn't really feel like any particular player on this team really deserved to be an all-star at the time they were picking all-stars. So it's like, okay, he's the default one. Yeah. I mean, pretty much like, I, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, this is something that, that over at locked on tigers we have to talk about every summer like okay they're just gonna give it to the best reliever because like no one else deserves it like somebody has to make it so like yeah. they're just gonna give it to the captain because like somebody has to make it like that's yeah that's pretty much it i mean he's got 41 points in 44 games which is you know good yeah but... no i mean no one's saying that he hasn't been producing but he's the, he's definitely the most deserved of the red wings to go but if you look at the rest of the all-star roster like he doesn't even compare to these guys right I mean, if especially you, if you the atlantic had division a true like top whatever players in the league and it wasn't you know like trying to get more representatives from all the teams or whatnot then yeah i don't, I don't think he'd really be in the mix but on the red wings he certainly is the answer yeah yeah absolutely so there's that yep any final thoughts scotty we ball we ball uh we'll be back with a new episode tomorrow 
We'll preview the game against the San Jose Sharks and uh, some more stuff, whatever we decide to talk about. Same That's time. Usually how these go. Same place. It's your team every day. Every day. <laughs>